it, it actually does fit the Masters, you know, yeah. theme, if you think about it. From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for uh, Friday, March 30th, leading up to Masters Week, and we are joined, as this nice country song plays, to talk about um, the Masters with uh, Steve Hennessy from Golf Digest. The new Golf Digest podcast is the Masters Edition podcast, and it features an interview Steve did with 92 champion Fred Couples, who will be featured on this Sunday's Jim Nance, sorry, next Sunday's Jim Nance Remembers uh, Fred Couples at the Masters, which airs at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS before final round coverage. How is that promo for you? Wow, very good. The CBS execs are going to be really happy with you, Jerry. Yes, exactly. Uh, first of all, thanks for coming. Uh, 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 thanks for coming on. Second of all, uh, what was it like to talk to Fred? That was great. Um, yeah, Freddie was cool. He was like, he was kind of 15 minutes late from uh, his interview before, so he like apologized for a full minute, which you, know, <laughs> you don't need to apologize. You're Fred Couple, even if he was an hour or two hours late. You know, we we're still thrilled to to talk the Masters with him and uh, this new course design that he has in Mexico. But, uh, yeah, Freddie is battling a little back injury. He said he hadn't played he hasn't played a hole of golf since January. You know, he, this guy is always battling back injuries, so it's not anything different for him. But, uh, you know, his expectations were low for this week. But, you know, Augusta seems to bring something special out of him. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's almost like he says that every year that, you know, his back is bothering him. And then all of a sudden, uh, come Friday or Saturday, his name pops up on the leaderboard. So it was definitely cool to talk to uh, you know, one of the most popular players of our generation, Boom Boom. Yes, he is certainly uh, really unique. I want to start in a different place than a lot of Masters previews start um, and go forwards instead of starting with the favorites and then going backwards. Um, I want to start with sleepers off the beaten path. I like it. And I'm going to give you mine. It is uh, Dylan Fratelli. Okay. The dude nearly won the NCAAs a couple years ago, played at Texas, and has played really well in the European Tour. He's got, what, two wins this year, or, or, or like a win in a second or something like that? Mm-hmm. And, and and he played well last week at the match play. I really think Dylan Fratelli is a name to watch next week at Augusta. I like that. That's a name, you know, the American golf fan might not know much about, but he was on the same Texas team that won NCAA title with Jordan Spieth on that team. He made a killer putt uh, on the last hole to actually win it for the Longhorns. So uh, the kid's got game. He's, he's clutch. He's definitely a name that, you know, people are going to start to learn a little bit more about the next couple of years. I like that. Um, we always talk, for those on golf Twitter, I think the most pop, one of the most popular players on golf Twitter that the public has no idea about is, is the, is the rat Kiradeki Apibonrat. Um, the dude's a little hefty, he smokes cigarettes, he just has a personality on his own, he's got a nickname that no one can quite, uh, um, explain why he's named the rat. Um... But I feel like, in all seriousness, his game hits a long way, hits it fairly straight, makes putts when you don't think he'll make them. I mean, if you hit it in the right quadrants at Augusta Greens, you can contend there. True. Um, you know, he doesn't have the type of experience that necessarily would you'd say that translates to Augusta, but he's been playing 
really well over on American soil this year. Also did last spring. So uh, the guy's a character, like you said. You know, he's known for chain smoking cigarettes up the fairways, and there's these great pictures on Getty images of him. You know, with all the smoke around him. So he's become kind of a folk hero uh, in the Twitter sphere, and you know, he's known as the Thailand John Daly. So. Uh, I mean, the guy just looks like so much fun. He's, he always talks about the cars that he's buying with his tournament winning. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I put him in one of my pools uh, as a sleeper, so I like him. But when you're looking at these long-range sleepers, Adam Hadwin might be one. I mean, he's not necessarily a sleeper. Maybe he's one on tour uh, last year at the Valspar, but he's such a good putter, and when his irons are on, He's he's someone who you expect to hit a lot of greens at Augusta. His short game is solid. So um, he's actually struggling a little with the putter the last couple tournaments. So if that turns around at Augusta, he's someone who I could see contending uh, at the Masters this week too. And and the other thing about um, guys like Adam Hadwin is there's that Canadian. There's the whole Mike Weir factor. The fact that that Canadians give knowledge to each other. They they basically work as a team, and I think having Mike Weir in his corner and probably playing practice rounds with him next week could be a huge advantage um, for him. We have this really unique year where the field's small because every name that was already in um, the Masters has kept on winning um, so far to start 2018. And we've got this really unique setup where every big name you could think of is, is, is trending well. And look at Jordan Spieth and Ricky Fowler who have suddenly uh, found their games here in, in uh, Houston the week before. Of the, of, of the non-Tiger Phil, the Bubba, uh, uh, Bubba Spieth, Ricky, um, Rose uh, group, that, that whole clan of guys uh, who are all trending in the right direction, Jason Day, who won obviously back at uh, Torrey, uh, is there a name that sticks out to you above the rest as being... Uh, the one you really, really like, or the one that you think has a chance start to finish uh, of being most consistent? Because as so many people who play fantasy golf and, and, and are in these pools know, it's not so much picking a winner. It's somebody who will have a good week and, and can get you that you know fifth or tenth place finish um, no matter what. Right. Yeah, so kind of two things here. A, all those guys that you mentioned you could easily see them winning at the end of the week, and that's why this tournament is so exciting leading up to it. Jim Nance called it the most exciting build-up to a Masters in his 33-year career, which, you know, the guy's known for a little hyperbole, but, you know, that even beats Tiger going for, um, you know, the Tiger Slam and uh, all the other great, uh, you know, lead-ups that, that there have been in Jim Nance's career. But it's yeah. it like you mentioned, these top ten guys are just coming in so hot. Out of out of those names, like I said, you could see any of them winning. But consistency wise, like who would be a, someone you'd call as a lock for a top five or a top ten? The two that I like are Justin Rose. Like you mentioned, he came close last year, losing in the playoff to Sergio. He's played really well leading up to up to this. I think he has twelve top tens. Uh, in his last 15 starts, so consistency-wise, he's someone right at the top. Also, Paul Casey, he's got three top six 
finishes the last three years. So there's really no one with that kind of consistency at Augusta. He's already won this year. He's someone who, you know, when you talk about consistency, he's at the top of the list. Um, so those are two. I mean, out of the other names, Bubba is someone who's going to be, you know, people are either in or out on him. He's yeah. won twice this year. Um, so, it, you know, he could win or the way that he is, he could just kind of tune it out and he doesn't play well on Thursday and all of a sudden he's battling to make the cut. But, you know, he could also go on and win the thing. So who knows with him. Uh, Justin Thomas is one of those favorites who, uh, you know, I'm, we haven't seen him be consistent at Augusta, which is why I would kind of fade him a little bit. And another name right at the top of those favorites, Dustin Johnson. People aren't really talking about him as one of their, you know, two or three favorites to win, which I don't really get. I mean, the guy has consistently played well pretty much all year. He won at Kapalua. He almost won a Pebble Beach somehow. Ted Potter Jr. beat him in the final group, which is going to be one of the anomalies of the the next five years, I think, how Ted Potter Jr. beat Dustin Johnson <laughs> coming down the stretch of the PGA Tour event. But Seriously. The Super game is so much better than it ever has been. That's huge at Augusta. Obviously, he has the length, which is so key uh, to play well at the Masters. And he's coming off of last year where, you know, he had to withdraw before the tournament. So it's a matter of whether that kind of affects him mentally, I think, because that's something that hasn't really been talked about too much in what I've seen is how how he deals with that and uh, and kind of battles battles everything that happened last year and you know can put that behind him when he steps on the grounds of Augusta. So there's so much. And then we didn't even talk about Rory, uh, who's going for the career Grand Slam, and he's had four top tens the last four years which is quite the record, too. So how about you, Jeremy? Who do you like out of that Well, first of all, Bubba, just because that place fits him. Um, you know, you talk about Ted Potter Jr. being a, a you know great fluke winner you know, five years from now. I think Bubba going to Volvic golf balls will go down as one of the worst equipment decisions in, in this millennium, maybe, in golf. I don't get why he did it. Uh, he said he said the ball looked good. Well, you know, Titleist could have made him color golf balls if he wanted to, um, and you know he switches back to the Pro V one, and suddenly he's he's you know back to being Bubba Watson. So I I love him next week and Rory. I somehow forgot to mention him. That stretch down the stretch at Bay Hill when Tiger had put the pressure on him and got to within one back, you know. I think it was a span of six minutes between when Tiger hit at OB on 16 and when he uh, uh, made the first of those birdies down the stretch at Bay Hill. The way he closed that way was just remarkable to me, and I think he's got a world of confidence going into Augusta. So for me, it's Bubba and Rory. Jordan Spieth is so streaky, and I think if he can continue this over Houston, uh, for the rest of Houston with this putter, I think that'll take a lot of confidence, but... It's going to be a, a hard uh, battle here for him to win and, and to get back to that level he's been at the last three years, or four years, actually, once he gets, um, uh, 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 once he steps foot back on Augusta. And Ricky, I'm still, I'm, I'm still unsure if the, Rick, if the real Ricky Fowler, the one who, when he's on, he's, you know, players 2015 on, and, but when he's off, he's just, makes really odd mistakes. I don't know which Ricky Fowler we're going to see. I have a hard time reading which Ricky we're going to see, but I, I mean, he's got, to me, 
Ricky is the American Henry extension just in the sense of when his ball striking is on, he doesn't miss a fairway and doesn't miss a green. Yet when he's off, just like you wonder why Henry Stenson falls off the map, you wonder why you uh, wonder why Ricky you know shoots high numbers. Right. Yeah. With Ricky, to me, it's a matter of avoiding the big miss. So he'll be consistent. We've seen him play very well at Augusta before, and what happens is he has a bad hole or two that really. Uh, you know, cost him that week. It, it's a double bogey and a triple bogey, then all of a sudden he's out of it. But his short game is so good. Like you said, consistent ball striker. Uh, his driving has gotten better. It's avoiding that big miss, and that that could be tough to do at Augusta. There are, you know, there's trouble pretty much at every hole. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Stenson because he's kind of a, a guy that is, he's like on that lower end of that tier of elite players, probably in that next level, but um, he's putting better this year, which is probably, you know, the the weakest part of his game, and we saw him putt so great at Troon when he took down Phil at the Open in 2016. I wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, near the top of the leaderboard at some point over the weekend, because we've seen him play well at Augusta, too. He came to the 18 hole there and uh, you know made a big number when he was in the lead a couple of years back. So, um, you know, we've just mentioned 10 guys who you wouldn't be surprised, you know, they'd be able to win, and, and that's that's really it. You know, any of those guys could win. It's just a matter of who plays consistently through Sunday. It's easier said than done, but, you know, any of these guys could do it. Which brings me to this. Um, one of my golf buddies last week at dinner said, you know what will happen Thursday and Friday at Augusta. Soren Hjeltsen and Charlie Hoffman will be leading. <laughs> now, now Soren Hjeltsen uh, is not in the field. I do not believe he's in the field. No, he's not. I actually I uh, looked at this. in the top five or so yes. on Thursday. You're right. Yes. But I fully expect Charlie Hoffman there. Um, but this brings up an interesting point. Why do some guys, in your opinion, and, and, and you know, You've talked to these people. I haven't. Why do you think some guys show up on Thursday, Friday leaderboards and never show up again the rest of the week? It's the weirdest concept in golf, not just at Augusta, but it's this really weird concept where you get these Thursday, Friday guys on leaderboards, and then you know, once Saturday and Sunday come around and the lights get really turned on, they fade. Well, that's just that, and you just touched on it a little at the end there. I think the moment becomes so big to them, you know, on Thursday and Friday, the pressure, obviously it's the Masters and, you know, the crowds are huge on Thursday and Friday and these guys wait all year to play in it, but there's there's less, less of a pressure on them because the expectations are probably lower in their head and that's why you see, you know, these lesser known guys come to the top of the leaderboard on, on Thursday and Friday, but then, you know, once you have one of those final tee times come Saturday and Sunday, when you haven't been in that position, it's a different beast and... Um, I think that's why, you know, you see guys like Charlie Hoffman, who, you know, still was in the final group with Speed uh, when he went on that run uh, 2015. You know, he just got beat by Speed, winning by whatever it was, six or seven shots. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's when that moment becomes real in their mind, I think. I think it's a mental thing that these guys haven't been in that position before and, uh, you know, this is the biggest uh, stage in golf and one of the biggest stages in sports. And once you realize that in your head as a competitor, it's whether you could handle that or not. So I think that's what it ultimately 
comes down to and whether these guys could handle it. Tiger and Phil, uh, 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 by the way, talking to Steve Hennessy from Golf Digest. Tiger and Phil, um, for me, Tiger, I thought the OB shot at Bay Hill on 16 on Sunday was the most significant shot of the week, and here's why. And and we both know this um, as, uh, as guys who play. When the pressure gets ramped up, you need to know your miss, identify your miss, and fix your miss. And over these first five events, Tiger's figured out all of that stuff. Look at Honda and in, and how horribly he played the bear trap those four days. Look at Bay Hill 16. I have no idea if he'll win next week at Augusta. It's a lot to ask for somebody in their, you know, sixth, uh, sorry, seventh competitive event back and, and sixth right. official event to go down to Augusta and beat this stout of field. But my opinion is A, he'll contend, and B, if he does win, that tee shot on 16 at Bay Hill may prove to be a crucial shot in how he prepped over these last two weeks. What's your take on Tiger going into Augusta? Yeah, uh, you touched on it. It's it's the driver and whether he could harness his myth and um, you know still be good enough with the driver to compete because these par fours at Augusta, you really need driver on many of them, probably 12 or 13 of the holes because they're so long. Yeah. A lot of these, these tournaments that he played leading up, there's some short par fours mixed into there that you know you can hit that two iron stinger. You can you can hit that three wood that he's been hitting so great. But if he, if he does that at Augusta, and you know he could still go three wood off the tee on some of these holes, but then he's leaving himself like 200 yards into these crazy greens where you know if you miss just slightly, you're running off and you're in a poor spot, and then you're making par a really tough score. So when you're coming into these greens with a five iron instead of a seven or an eight iron, you're just, it's tough to control your, your flight. And, and that's one of the biggest keys to succeed at Augusta. So to me, like you said, it, it would be, it's tough to expect him to go out and win this year. I mean, it's Tiger Woods, so of course he could do it. Uh, I'm just probably in the camp that it's going to be a really tough feat for him to do because we just haven't seen the success with the driver that we've seen, uh, you know, and the driver's always been one of his worst clubs, and uh, and he's found a way to win four green jackets. But, um, you know, to me, I would have liked to have seen him hitting the driver a little bit better coming into this. So that's my take on Tiger with Phil. He's playing some of the best golf we've seen from him in the last three years. He's been so good with the putter, which is which is. You know that's been one of his uh, his worst clubs, and the driver also. He's he sprays a bit with the driver, but uh, you know he hits these great recovery shots. His short game is is so stout, and like I said, the putting has really saved him this year. So um, with with Phil, I mean, you can see him contending. He knows Augusta so well, but if he wins, he would supplant. Jack Nichols is the oldest winner ever. Uh, you know, he'd be 47 and, you know, better Jack's age by one. So so when you put that in perspective, you think, wow, I mean, could he really do something that, you know, Jack Nichols, the guy who played Augusta National better than probably anybody, can he be better than Jack? That's also a tough ask. So, um, you know, those two guys, are playing so great and it'd be so amazing if they're contending on on the weekend and uh golf fans would love to see that 
I will throw one more Golf Digest promo in here. Uh, you guys, uh, so as, as most people listening to this podcast know, um, the fine folks at Augusta National posted the CBS final round for every Masters back to 1968. If, if, if I remember the tease correctly, Jack and Jackie had not watched that full telecast uh, at all since until Guy Yoakum went down with him and played it for them this past week. Is that correct? Yeah, we just posted our uh, special long-form podcast with, with Jack Nicholas, like you said, watching the, the final round telecast of his 86 Masters win with his son, Jackie, who was caddying for him that day. And our guy, Yoakum, was there watching with him. That was from a couple of years ago. So, okay. uh, you know, that, that story is a little old, but the audio is not. The audio had never been heard, uh, okay. before, which is which is what makes it so special. Um like you mentioned, the you know every year's telecast from Augusta is now on YouTube, and I think all, all us golf nerds have spent way too much time watching those uh, Masters telecasts. But no, that that was a great uh, podcast that we posted earlier this week. So I encourage anyone who's interested in, in Jack's win and Jack's career uh, to re- relive that with our podcast because I. I got emotional listening to it. I had never heard that audio, and mm-hmm. no one had because, you know, Guy did that story a couple of years ago, not having posted the audio. And, right. um, you know, it, it's special to hear Jack describing in detail what he was thinking over every shot, what he was thinking as Seve, you know, dumped the ball in the water on 15, and, and, and all the little details is just super fascinating. Crazy. It's, uh, It'll long go down as one of the uh, most remarkable sports. Um, Absolutely. Uh, uh, one of the uh, best uh, sports moments in history. Yeah, and sports performances to do that at, at 46 years old. My thing, just to finish up, Phil, for a second. If you remember Memphis last year, he took the lead at one point in Memphis and said, I forgot how it felt or something like that. Right. My concern with Phil is almost that he does something stupid. He tends to, uh, you know, um, up until this year, he had had the streak of throwing in some really stupid, idiotic moments. If he can steer clear of all that, I, I, I think he's in good shape and, and definitely is playing well enough to contend. Um, but, you know, take today in Houston. He, he dumped two in the water on 18 and made triple. Um, it's little things like that. They just got to not do it, Augusta. And I think if he can avoid all that, he'll be in good shape. Let's uh, just take one second here to, to go away from golf because uh, I, I have to mention this. Your Penn State Nittany, Nittany Lions won the NIT uh, last night at Madison Square Garden. Did you ever expect you would be the 2018 NIT champions? Uh, well, First of all, you're probably breaking a lot of news to people that Penn State won the NIT because I'm sure no one outside of Penn State or Utah fans realized that that game even happened. Yes. It's the NIT, you know, who really cares about it. But it was cool as a Penn State alum to, you know, go to the Garden and see your team play. Uh, they had won the NIT back when I was a junior in college. Um, so, you know, that was cool to see as well. But, uh yeah, Penn State basketball is kind of on the rise. This kid, Tony Carr, is so good. Um, a couple other key players to that team, too. Uh, and Penn State basketball played at the Garden earlier this year for the Big Ten tournament, too. So I actually have gone to three Penn State basketball games at Madison Square Garden in the past month, which is, which is 
kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. Definitely never thought I would say that. No. That's a cool thing as an alum. Um, all right. You uh, and we've, we've talked about this on, on the show before, but, but mm-hmm. just a quick summary for those. You wrote a piece. It's on GolfDigest.com. You, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, you tried every food offering that's available at Augusta National <laughs> Golf Club. I did. Uh, for those going down next week, your recommendations are? Man, well, it's, it really depends on your palate. They're all, it's all good. You know, the most expensive thing on the menu is like three fifty, so it's, <laughs> it's insane, the value. You know, a beer is like $1.50. Um, my favorite was either the grilled chicken sandwich or the pimento cheese sandwich. If you're a real veteran, you actually you take the pimento cheese and you take it off the sandwich, you spread it onto the grilled chicken, and then you got a pimento cheese and grilled chicken sandwich, which is absolute fire. Um, so that would be my recommendation. The egg salad is really good, too. That's many people's favorite. Um, the Georgia peach ice cream, to, to cap it off, is, is key. you got it. Got to get the ice cream uh, peach sandwich, which is like a dollar too. Um, yeah, I did that. I ate like nine sandwiches, I think it was, in one sitting at Amen Corner, sitting there on thirteen. Uh, and the best part is, it cost me like less than thirty bucks. I think it was like twenty five dollars to to buy all that stuff. So, uh, and it was expensed. <laughs> one, one, of the, one of the most fun parts about. Uh, you know, being at the Masters is that uh, the concessions? So, yeah, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's going uh, down. You gotta, you gotta try it all. And I would imagine the company paid for it, so it was even thirty of your own money. I think they did. Okay, yeah. there you go. I mean, yeah, that piece of content, you know, for twenty-five bucks, you know, not too shabby. No, no, Golf Digest, <laughs> uh, Golf Digest will take those expenses any day. Um, all right. It's that time, Steve. Who's putting on the green jacket next Sunday with Jim Nance? Putting on the green jacket this week? Um, gosh, it, it could be anybody, really, any of those names that we mentioned. Um, I'm going to say, as much as I just kind of said, he doesn't have as great of a chance as others. I'm going to say Justin Thomas. He doesn't have the experience, but he's just playing so well. Um think this moment will be too big for him we haven't seen him you know playing in one of the final groups at the masters too often but he's just playing so great so um you know for me if he could if he could keep it consistent for four rounds i, I like justin thomas to win it how about you jim uh that's such a good pick uh, i'm gonna go ricky i don't know why i i feel this way because it doesn't make sense on paper because i i just i'm not I don't have a good feeling about his game, but I just I think he's going to do it. I think this is going to be Ricky's major. He finally gets off the schneid. That would be cool if he does it at Augusta, um, you know, for his first major. That, that'd be pretty special. So not not a bad pick at all. And following in Sergio's footsteps is somebody who did it last year. The Golf Digest uh, Masters Preview Podcast is out now. Steve Hennessy interviews Freddie Couples on that podcast. You can get it wherever you get. Your podcast, Steve Hennessy, as always, thank you for coming on Teeing It Up. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the Masters. Everybody. Absolutely. Let's, uh, 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 let's hope winter's over and we can finally tee it up. There you go. 
Thank you all for listening to Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling, and uh, we will talk to you down the line. <laughs>